Welcome to I Am Lake Worth. I'm Carl Stoveland, your host, and I'm the photographer that started the I Am Lake Worth project, which has now morphed into the I Am Lake Worth 2 project, which is on display at the hatch at 1121 Lucerne Avenue in Lake Worth. Tonight, my guest is Shannon Torrance. Hey, Shannon. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be here. We had our grand opening of the show on Saturday night. It was a huge success. This room, you can't tell now, but this room was crowded with people. It, it, was, really was. it was a sight to see. Uh, really, really, really made me feel great. So here's what we do. Um, the I Am Linkworth project, I've photographed people around town. You're in this version of the show, obviously. And I ask everyone the same question, what makes Lake Worth special, which gets included with the photograph. From there, when we do the podcast, I ask you again and let you expand on it a little bit. So that's where we start. Conversation will just kind of roll from there. We'll talk about art, we'll talk about Lake Worth, we'll talk about life, whatever comes up. Sounds wonderful. Great. So with that, Lake Worth is special because dot, dot, dot. Well... I grew up in North Florida, where the, uh, the ocean's not as blue-green as it is here. Um, it's actually gray. Which coast? Um, uh, Jacksonville. So the East Coast, North Florida, East Coast. Um, and then a few years ago, I had the opportunity to travel around the country for a while in a travel trailer. Um, and I was on the road for about a year and a half. That's how I met my wife. That's got to be a story in and of itself. It is. It was, it was, there's some crazy things that happen on the road, believe me. Um, so but I got to California and I thought, wow, you know, you grow up hearing all these things about California when you surf in Florida and you spend time around the ocean in Florida. You get to California, you're like, wow, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. The waves are big, but they're cold. I was going to say, first gray. of all, the water's colder than you really think. Yeah. We all think of California as warm and that Pacific water there is not warm. Yeah. And 95 here is, it's, it's got its uh, issues, but it's nothing like interstates in California. I mean, That's true. <laughs> wildfires, we have our hurricanes, but we get a week's notice. So yeah, I just came back. When I came back to Florida, I thought, wow, especially down here, this part of the state, what a paradise compared to you know, what I thought I knew I didn't. And when I came back, I really came back with a different appreciation for especially Lake Worth. That's very cool. Um, little seaside town. It reminds me of when I was a kid Lake Worth does. Um, there's not very many that still have this sort of villagey feel or, you know, small town feel now. I really want to say that Lake Worth reminds me of Cape Cod, but in Florida, so with the much warmer weather. But really, that Cape Cod hasn't changed all that much in the years I've been going, and I my memories go back to when I was a little kid with my parents, and you know, you drive down 6A and you got to go 20 miles before you see a Dunkin' Donuts as opposed to seeing five of them all together in most towns in America. So I got that flavor here and I really, that was a vibe that I really picked up on and like. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things I love about it. And, and you know, it's such a small town, like you get to know people just, when my wife first moved here and we were just dating, uh, living together, but dating, um, she said, do you know everybody in town? Um, everywhere we would go, somebody would know me, mm -hmm. and it helped sort of break her in into the city because people would walk up to me and say hello, and it, she just sort of naturally fell into the groove. Now everyone knows her, so it's 
It's a very welcoming city. It's a very easy city to do that in because it was one of the things I found when I got here two and a half years ago was I started the I Am Lake Worth project to meet people and you're right, I can't go to the post office without seeing five people I know, which I think is really cool. Yeah, it is. It's old world in a way. It is. Time has kind of forgotten Lake Worth in some ways. Not all of them, and we're going through our, yeah. our things like everywhere else. Um, so you are a painter, a, an, an acrylic painter, or do you, how many mediums do you work in? Um, pretty much, I predominantly work in acrylics now. Mm -hmm. um, I have dabbled in everything from oils to um, watercolor, gouache, but acrylic is my medium because I, uh, I need immediate gratification. Oil is just too uh, tedious for the dry times. Sure. I, I can totally get that, especially with how humid it is here. Um, being a little bit of a painter myself, it took me years to... I came at it from the other point, which was acrylic dries so fast I can barely get to what I want to get to before I'm out of luck. The good thing for me was that I took up watercolor and once I learned how to deal with those drying times and making sure that I did what I wanted to and got out before anything got ruined. And then I think the, the technology got a little bit better with acrylics and the, the additives that you can use to extend the times. And it became an easier medium for me. So having my process down, like I knew how to, what my process was in watercolor and knew how to stay out of trouble. I needed that template, that, how to, that process, that workflow to keep myself out of trouble in acrylic. I'm getting better at it. It's still not my primary medium. I mean, obviously, photography first, and then painting second. Painting second, and the digital painting is really kind of bridging all those neat things together at one time. Yeah, the technology today is pretty insane. You can you can almost paint with a uh, a tablet now when when you work with your photographs. That's like you say. I understand trying to stay clean and. And that, that's one of the reasons I, did, I don't work in oil, too, is because my early career um, as a faux finisher and mural artist in Palm Beach, I was using kerosene and mineral spirits every day, all day, ragging walls, you know, cleaning out brushes from wood graining. And you don't want to come home to that, too. You know? Well, that's totally true. We were talking about my dad spending 40 years earlier before we were on mic, 40 years doing the dye transfer process and the chemicals that he worked with obviously yeah. were, were bad for him later in life. And you're right, you didn't want to spend any more time with those spirits and that stuff than you needed to. So I know you as a seascape painter um, and beautiful, beautiful work, by the way. Thank Unfortunately, you. we're we're doing a podcast, so you can't see it. The audience is looking at the paintings now, but um, I had this trouble when I interviewed Tom Copeland. He kept doing air quotes, and I was like, you have to tell people you're doing air quotes because they don't know <laughs> on the podcast. That's wonderful. So uh, what inspired you for Seascapes? Well, I was painting abstract paintings, and I did really well in the um, mid-90s. I was selling um, large abstract pieces um, between Fort Lauderdale and Miami, and then sort of that market dried up when we had our sort of recession that came about mm -hmm. heading into 2000, the early 2000s. So um, a friend of mine just suggested I fell in love with this guy Tom Munn's work who used to live here in Lake Worth he now lives in North Carolina and he, he paints landscapes but they're uh, they're more of a tonalist kind of a painter uh, painterly painting mm -hmm. 
And I thought, wow, I wonder if I could do that using some of these techniques I use for faux finishing. And I bought one of his paintings for a few hundred dollars, and I took it on the trip with me. It was small, and I carried it in the RV with me. And then when I got to New Mexico, I started dabbling in some landscape painting. And then I came home, and I still kept trying to do the abstract thing. And then uh, a friend of mine, David Weber, said, you know, you should really forget the abstract stuff, Shannon. You start focusing on some landscape paintings. Mm -hmm. So I have to credit him with it, and, and I started doing that. Um, God, I think it's been, I started landscape paintings predominantly about seven years ago. Probably well, about they seven are, years ago. They are indeed gorgeous and they, they glow, which is a real trick with acrylic as to getting that, that real glow out of them. And you've got the East Coast colors down so beautifully. And like I said, your palette always reminds me of Hudson River School. I think Frederick Church every time oh, I yeah. see your paintings. That's good, that's good. I've got that with the, one of the first I painted one of the first paintings that I was really happy with in North Carolina, in Saluda, North Carolina, which is just outside Asheville. Mm -hmm. And it had that quality, and I think that's probably what I loved about it, and it really kept me going. That one painting, just the strength of that one painting. It's like a golf shot, right? You, yeah. you get that one good shot in a round that keeps you coming back over and over and over again. I would agree, yeah, absolutely. That's early on with my watercolors, that was it. I would have, I'd finally get the one of the lighthouse that I wanted to get just right. For me, it was lighthouses and waterfalls. And I would keep coming back. I mean, I'd mess up the next 20 paintings and you know, just, there was a whole pile of rejects because I wasn't doing what I didn't understand what I was doing yet, yeah. <laughs> but every once in a while you'd hit on something and be like, wow, it's like jazz, you yeah, know? Yeah, it is, for sure. And it's, it's very addictive. Yeah, I think that's what, I, uh, that's what keeps me going, because there is definitely some kind of a chemical release when you do something and it works. There, there's an endorphin rush. There absolutely is to painting. Um, any kind of creative pursuit, and I've worked in the IT side of the world, of, I can get it from cooking, making a database that works well. For me, as long as you're creating, I'm not always worried about the medium. I mean, I have the ones that are my favorites that I keep coming back to, obviously, but the creative process itself for me is the best kind of buzz I can think of having. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so yeah, that's, how, that's kind of how I got into the landscape painting part of it. Um, and then I, you know, I started doing a lot more um, research into uh, why I liked particular colors. So um, William Merritt Chase uh, is like my, he's like the man, the paintings he did in Shinnecock Hills in the summer. Um, the blues that I mix, uh, we have those same color blues in our sky. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm tr usually using titanium white, um, a little cobalt blue at the top, and then cerulean blue mixed in as I grade eight from sure. down. Um, and my clouds are predominantly, um, I do use a few things in the clouds um, besides pain gray and um, the titanium white. I'll use um, yellow ochre sometimes or raw umber or... Um, yeah, that reflected warm light that you catch in there that, that, that really adds to the reality of them. Gives the luminous quality that I think you're, that you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then the water, the, the water here is amazing. And because it's clear, you have to paint what you can see through the water. It's, it's like when I do a still life with a, a glass object in it, you're not painting the glass, you're painting what's behind it with the bends of the glass. Yeah, it's the same sort wanna, of thing. Yeah, you want to overpaint too. That creates the illusion, it fools the eye. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
So you brought some samples that show some work in progress. So chat a little bit about how you start a painting, you know, when you get on site during the day. Now, I'm going to sidetrack just a little bit because when I took your photograph, we decided to meet at the beach because that's where you like to paint. And you rolled up on this amazing bike that had your easel on it, a box of your paints, and you were ready to go right there from the bike. So actually, before we start talking about how you paint, let's talk about that setup. How did that come about? Um, well, like busking, you know, like musical buskers. Sure. Or uh, um, th that's kind of the idea that I had. And then it's very sort of European, I thought, to, mm -hmm. to sell your artwork. Um, like I mean, everybody knows Hyde Park in London, and it's, it's, there's a corner there where artists set up and paint. And um, I always thought that was just really cool. Um, and that you could sort of sidestep the galleries, which take 50%. Sure. If you could market yourself by being um, sort of like a one-man band, um, you could start slowly marketing your own work without, you know, keeping your work affordable. And I, I don't make prints of anything. Mm -hmm. I sort of, uh, I, I don't know what the word is for that, but I just don't, I don't like the idea of making prints of my work, so it is kind of like pulling money through the eye of a needle if you're an artist, if you're not making prints. I struggle with that very concept because when I work in the digital paintings, the process is that I can, the end result is that I can just print, 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 but I don't want to do that. And in fact, you never see that I have sold more than three or four of the same one. I usually like to do one, move on to the next, but that's one of the double-edged swords is that it's a knock of the, the digital work is that you can do that, so they expect you're doing it. Yeah. I really like to keep it down to a few. In fact, I didn't even want to put any that had been seen down at Nodoso here on the walls here, but you know they were some of my best pieces, so I did produce them. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do agree with you. When I paint with liquid stuff, there's the one. I don't think I've ever sold a print of a painting. Oh, yeah. I don't know if somebody knocked on my door and wanted to. I guess I'd have to think about it. I haven't been in that position, so. <laughs> yeah, I worked in a gallery on Worth Avenue um, for a while when I was young, in my early 20s. And, um, you know, we sold original um, contemporary masters paintings. So we were dealing with Rauschenberg and Rosenquist and those guys. And, you know, some of the artists, like Wesselman, they would make... 25 of these laser cuts or these drawings and or 30 they'd have these small editions and I thought that was okay but it's it's probably when you start getting into like a hundred images of the same thing yeah I like the limited batch sign stuff I, I I do appreciate that as a way to do it but for me I think people want to own something that's um, especially this day and age where everything's sort of homogenized people I think really do want to own something that's unique and that it was painted by the person that, you know, not it wasn't printed and handed to them. It's the painter hands it to you or it's so closely attached to the artist. Sure. And I would agree because when you're over at our house, you'll see that it's all original stuff and it's four or five painters that we've collected over the years from Selma Alden that we know from Cape Cod that I actually hung in a gallery with for many years. I collected bits and pieces of her stuff, but it's always original. It was always just, you know, getting the good artist, even if it wasn't their biggest pieces. It was always getting the an, an original piece that I could attach to the artist. You're absolutely right. Yeah. 
So that's the bike, the bike idea with the uh, the old um, champagne crate from the 40s and the, and a cooler on the back so I can keep my water and stay hydrated when I'm painting in in front of people on the beach. The the ocean can be very in, inhospitable. Um, it's very salty and hot. So um, the only the only drawback to this whole thing is when you have to go to the bathroom. Right. You have to leave all your things there and trust that they're going to be there when you come back. Hmm. Maybe you need to uh, schedule somebody to stop by for 15 <laughs> minutes and guard yeah, your stuff. True, this, true. This is like worth after all. Things happen. It's the things you don't think about that catch you off guard. Well, that bike of yours is probably big and heavy. It's probably a hard one to get away with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got some locking mechanisms on it. Um, they, they just use this one lock that locks the back tire in Amsterdam and people don't steal your bike but here i think that would be a little there's a real bike culture in amsterdam and that is a dutch bike right yes, i think you is. mentioned that okay so let's move on to the paintings themselves what's the process when you get to the beach so whether i'm in the studio or at the beach um what i generally do i don't sketch anything which is um i originally started as a artist when i was a kid and pencil was my medium i just i drew everything i couldn't I just couldn't stop drawing. Oh, God bless you. I struggle with that to this day. I'm the world's worst drawer. And then I got to a spot where I'm like, I, I'm never going to be able to be a painter because I, I got so good at drawing that I just, it inhibited me in a way. Um, and painting was intimidating. And then I got to a spot where I couldn't, I had to draw everything before I painted it. So mm -hmm. I basically draw a whole drawing and then try to paint over it and smears the lead everywhere sure. it's just terrible um and i just thought well i'm never going to be able to paint directly to whatever the substrate is and then miracle of miracles you know one day i just said hey let's start a horizon and let's just and then i figured out the layering probably from doing the faux finishes and stuff in palm beach and then sure that's 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 training right there, and you're right, the transparency of the layers and how to get that glow, because that's really coming from the layers and building those up. Yeah. So the skies generally start where I do the gradation of color. Um, and then I will work in some clouds, then I'll get my horizon line, because the clouds really dictate where that horizon line is going to be. Um, and the layering is, is really important, because like, you're coming from a watercolor place. You said you've done a lot of watercolors. Mm -hmm. So you really have to know what you want to emphasize at the very beginning because you don't want to put a wash over an area that you want to be white. I, I learned the value of a value sketch in watercolor, That's, yeah. which has helped me immensely. That's really what made me become a painter was I tried to work without a plan. And while watercolor is known as this wild west of, you know, completely out of controlness and, you know, the old saying that watercolor is like the bagpipes. You never actually master them. You come to an uneasy truce. Okay, so we were talking about the layers. The layers, um, and then the layers sort of, the more you paint, the more you understand the layers, especially if you're sticking to a particular subject like nature painting. So you just, you have an automatic go-to because you've done it so many times, you just know the depth of color you need right away. That muscle memory. Yeah. I'm sure there's another name for it, but you're absolutely right. Doing a subject over and over and over again, even as a photographer, if you go back through my filing system, which is usually location, then by date, I have, especially in the nature side with waterfalls, 
I will have the same waterfall 30 times because the light's different every time you're there. You learned something about it last time you were there and you just keep going until you try to get it just right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like Monet painting the, um, painting his churches, you know, he painted the same facade of, of the church in every single different kind of daylight, you know? That was Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just, so, and it's amazing how many times I can paint the sort of the Florida landscape, the, the ocean and the dunes and marshland, and I love Orange Grove. It never gets old, you know, and I think that is because um, we are nature, and it's just every time I do it, there's like a new challenge, you know, a different every time kind of cloud. You, every time you post one, I look forward to seeing it. The same subject matter, but they're all different, and they all speak to you differently. Yeah, and it's funny, the people that, you get to know um, kind of the people that are buying your paintings because you you kind of see what people enjoy. So some people really like the night paintings. Mm -hmm. um, and some people, they really want the reflected light uh, in the wash on the beach, you know, from sort of the reflection of the clouds or whatever the sun is doing on the horizon line reflected into that wash. Mm -hmm. So it just tells you, like, some people just people just appreciate different parts of nature you know some people would rather have a storm than you know a beautiful day at the beach does anybody in the audience our audience of three which i'm very thankful for having does anybody have a question for shannon well i bring the enthusiasm of 85 people for both of you Yeah, it was quite the quite the turnout um, for the uh, for your show of the the people of Lake Worth, and I think it's very interesting. I mean, I've already uh, gotten closer to a person I've known for years, another artist in the town. Um, we've seen each other at at, at a distance for years. Um, we've actually competed against each other in Palm Beach mm -hmm. for, for finishing jobs, but you know, it, it it was a really nice icebreaker to actually run into him at your show, and for us to actually. Uh, talk to one another and, and realize, hey, you're pretty cool. Why, why, why have I avoided you all these years? I, I, in that aspect, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled with the show and on so many different levels, but that aspect of bringing the community together just makes, if you guys could see my smile, just thinking about it, I'm just so thrilled. And for me, being able to have my mom here at the show and have her experience the opening um, she was an oil painter for a long time and didn't really show her work a lot. So for her to see this experience through me was just so gratifying. Yeah, I can imagine. And I love the support of the people of this town that came out. And I loved seeing folks standing in front of their picture, taking selfies with their picture. And um, I really wished I was three people. I think I may have said this to Mary or to you. Um, I wished that I was three people on Saturday night because I would have sat and listened to the jazz band all night and ignored everything else because they were that good. Thank you, Jazz on J Street. And I would have been in the middle of the groups and chit-chatting and all that. And I would have also been the host. So um, I'm going to have to figure out how to split myself into multiple parts. <laughs> well, I've been to a lot of openings um, because, I, like I said, I worked, I worked in the art business from the sales side of it in galleries. Um, and then just my natural curiosity going to shows in Miami and um, Boca and places like that. Um, you had a really beautiful turnout and, and 
the way that the show is presented is so professional and so. Thank you. I have to, my framers in New York, I got a Bonnest International. These guys always come through for me and take care of me. And, you know, I tell them at the last minute what I want. And three days later, there's FedEx is on my doorstep. In this case, it was eight giant boxes um, <laughs> that I threw in the, the garage at our house across the street and almost forgot about them until the week before the show and was so glad I had them and was ready to go. And yeah, the, the show, I'm, I'm pleased. This space is by default, the clean white walls, the big space makes stuff look even better. Um, and then the crowds of people just made it, you know, and I think there's, there's this thing, you know, with art, why, why we could get that many people at a little community show is because this wasn't intended to be anything other than friends getting together and see the work. There was no expectation of people spending a lot of money. And part of the draw is that the community is included in the work. So they come to see it and their friends see it and share it. And so it's this incubator of getting people together within the town. And that was really more the goal of the project. That and me meeting people were really the two things I wanted to do. So I think I, like, I scored on both fronts. Yeah, total success. Cool. Yeah. I got a new easel out of it today. I saw that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's wonderful. That can so, be for some of the bigger paintings you're working on? Yeah, that's definitely going to, I'm going to move into the larger size paintings. Um, so three foot by three foot to four foot by four foot larger paintings. Well, um, your, your subject matter on that size is going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to make some wall space on my walls for that. That's for sure. I just did a, a, a little free library. I don't know if you're aware of that, but um, working on those, um, I had to work a lot faster because I was working outside with, with the paints and I was using house paints mm -hmm. to mix them as regular and I worked and they're bigger than my normal paintings but I, I suddenly realized hey I can do this we're gonna go large we can we can go bigger that's neat yeah and that one get that one opens up this week gets planted um, Sunday Sunday um, and that's good where's that one gonna be so. Okay. There'll be an article in tomorrow's Lake Worth Herald about it so yeah I heard somebody was working pretty hard on that <laughs> yeah. until we're a small town right <laughs> Well, that's terrific. Um, your show at the Cultural Council, yes. also on Lake Avenue. <laughs> Let's get that right. Yes. When is that going to be? Um, the show at the Cultural Council is going to be, the opening is going to be on um, April the 1st from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Cool. And it'll run from April the 1st till April 30th. Okay, good. Full month. And uh, how many pieces do you plan on having? Well, we haven't decided. I have... Um, 30 to 35 pieces in this large one that I'm just starting. Um, I will be looking at those in the next um, week or so with, mm -hmm. the, um, with the curator of the show. So I will know um, how many I'm gonna have um, then, but right now I don't, but it's, I have a good selection of paintings to choose from. So we can cherry pick the best ones or. That'll be hard, they're all pretty good. Yeah, it's difficult, but um, <laughs> sometimes you need that other person to do it because I know I fall in love with images of my own and sometimes it's not the best shot. It's I have an emotional attachment to where I was when I did it or what I was feeling when I did it. So I, I, I tend to rely on somebody for that strict eye and telling me when it's that is so dead on. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, 
and I can't rely on my wife because she's biased. Yeah. Well, I think we've covered a lot of what I wanted to cover. So what I want to do next is drop this on you. I have, they say that good interviewers borrow from other interviewers and the great ones outright steal. Well, I don't claim to be great, but I'm going to borrow from James Lipton. Love it. So the James Lipton list, who he borrowed from Bernard Pivot and before him, Marcel Proust. I have to put my glasses on to read the list. So here we go. And I'm going to incorporate this into the end of each podcast. I thought it would be fun. I do love hearing people answer these questions. Are you going to do the laugh too afterwards? <laughs> I'll do my best. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite word? Um, transcendental. Ooh. What is your least favorite word? No. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, nature. Amen. What turns you off? Rude people. What is your favorite curse word? Son of a bitch. It's a string of them. That works. What sound or noise do you love? Um, the wind and palm fronds. That's a good one. What sound or noise do you hate? Traffic. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Plumbing. So you want to be a rich man in your next life. Okay, and finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, can you paint us something? Nice. <laughs> Very good. With that, Shannon, thank you so much for being the first of the I Am Lake Worth 2 interviews, and this will be available as our podcast sometime tomorrow. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Carl. I've been really... This project allows me to, has allowed me to meet a lot of people. I'm very fortunate to have stumbled onto you and to have met you. I feel like we've really grown close very quickly through this project, and I look forward to hanging out and uh, doing some work with you, too. Wonderful. See you next year. Cool. See you. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>